Welcome to House Calls with Dr. Connie Mariano. If you're ready to get your physical, emotional, and spiritual life in order, join us for the next hour as we meet some interesting people who will share stories of success and wisdom that you can apply to your own life. Now, here's Dr. Connie. Welcome, everybody, to Dr. Connie's House Calls. This is my monthly show. Yes, it's that time of month again. I Thank you for listening in every third Thursday live, 4 p.m. Pacific Standard. If you miss our live broadcast, listen in 24 hours later for the podcast, and you can download our shows indefinitely after that. And as I talk about these shows, and I reflect on them because someone once asked me, why do you even do a radio show? You've got a busy full-time practice. You're a busy wife, mother, friend. You do all these things. You're working on your second book. Why the heck do you do these shows? And I think what really causes me to, to do this is, for several reasons, it's, it's my way to give back to other people. I, I work as a full-time physician in a practice where I'm available 24-7 to over 300 patients who are mostly in their later years of life. And with all the crazy things that happen in the world, it makes me pause and reflect. Every morning when I get up, I really avoid listening to the radio. I do read the Wall Street Journal. I do uh, look online as to what's going on in the world. In my other world that I lived in over 17 years ago, in the belly of the beast in Washington, D.C. So every morning I try to avoid the news because if I listen into the news that's going on, it makes my heart race, it gives me palpitations, it makes me hyperventilate, it makes me sick because of the anxiety, the stress. And I don't need that type of stress in my life. I like to focus on the things that count, such as my family, my health, my friends, what I do for a living. And so what I do with these shows, in a lot of ways, I call it my radio therapy. It's my way to help other people who listen in, who need to hear other thoughts that are out there, they're more positive, ways that matter. And we live in a world, I always believe, that's bombarded by negative news all the time. We live in a life that we're always reacting to things that are coming our way. We're reacting, responding. But it's time to reflect. It's time to sit, take a deep breath, and just think and reflect about what really matters. And I, I see that every day in my practice with people in their everyday lives. I have the luxury of sitting with people maybe two hours at a time when I see them for their physicals. And we talk about so many things. And many of my patients I've had for 17 years. So I have that continuity to, to go over what matters in life. And I think back and I said, this is my time to reflect and to share with you. And I love radio as a medium because you don't get distracted by visuals like you do on television. And because it's a 24-7 news network, a lot of times whatever fills the airwaves and whatever brings on drama is what they're going to go for. And I'm not about that. I'm not about the drama or the trauma. I'm about reflecting and making sure it impacts positively on your life. So that's the reason for my show. So as I reflect, I'm reflecting on the last 30 days. And I'm, I look back at my calendar because it's good to reflect and also to be grateful. May 23rd last month, I celebrated 37 years from graduating from med school in the dark ages. And I, I think back of how medicine has changed, but how I've changed as a physician growing up with my patients through that time. June 1st, I celebrate my 17 years of retirement from the U.S. Navy, where I served 24 years. But 
you don't really retire completely from the military life. It stays ingrained in your DNA, in your friendships, in your work ethic. It's always with you, as every veteran can attest to that. June 5th, I celebrated my eighth wedding anniversary to my wonderful husband, John, who's in studio today. And that's a great anniversary for us and many more to us. June 12th, I celebrated 17 years. Having moved to my home state in Arizona, I've lived here longer than any place I've ever lived. June 20th, uh, which was yesterday, uh, my son's Aunt Betty, or great Aunt Betty, turned 94. So happy belated birthday to Aunt Betty. June 22nd will be eight years since my memoir was published, and that's doing very well out there, and I'll share later about that. But also since the last show, there's been some sadness and loss. I've lost in the month of May three of my dearest friends and who are patients of mine. And I think from every life that's lost, what can I learn from that as a physician and as another human being? One of them passed away at 83 from end-stage heart failure, who for many years refused to get bypass surgery despite what his doctors said. And so he died on his own terms of sudden death, and it's the way he wanted. The second one died unexpectedly after celebrating his 75th birthday from a very rare condition called ischemic bowel disease. We were able to get him back once after surgery, went to Tahoe for a week, and then the symptoms came back. We medevaced him back here to Arizona, and he died shortly after his second surgery. So we are honoring his life next month in Lake Tahoe. And the third one died last week, and his memorial service is today uh, in Wisconsin. And he died at 73 of anaplastic thyroid cancer. And I think of thyroid cancer as a physician because people used to say, oh, if you ever have to have a type of cancer, you really should get thyroid cancer. And I take issue with that, and, and thyroid experts will take issue because if you get anaplastic thyroid cancer, that is the worst cancer because this man was gone in six months despite radical neck surgery, radiation, chemo, everything possible. That horrible cancer grew before our eyes. So when you see your doctor, make sure they check your thyroid. You pay attention very closely to that. You never know that things are lurking. So I honor their memory. I honor their spirit. My love and blessings go to their families. And we will always keep them in our hearts and prayers. For our June show, for your month of June, I like to focus on Father's Day, which we celebrated this past week. Let me show you a little bit about the history of Father's Day. Uh, it's observed all over the world. In Italy, it's known as the Gesta del Papa. The Portuguese recognize Dia de Pai on March 19 each year, and the Spaniards salute El Dia del Padre annually on March 19th. This past Sunday marked America's 108th Father's Day. It's the one day every year when our culture collective salutes the important contributions that fathers and father figures have made in the lives of their children and others. The tradition started in Spokane, Washington, <clears throat> when a woman heard a Mother's Day sermon and decided fathers should have their own day too. Her father was a Civil War veteran and a single parent who had raised six children. So the local clergyman liked the idea delivering sermons about fathers the next year. 
So by the early 1920s, Hallmark, the card company, started printing cards for the occasion, and that helped further establish Father's Day as a significant date on our calendars. And it became a national holiday in 1972 by President Nixon. And that's why we have Father's Day, so I'd like to dedicate this show to our dads. Now, what is it about dads? I know we all love our moms. We all talk about that and how important it is to have moms and how Mother's Day is a big celebration. But you know what? We really need our dads, too. And I know, as you know, there's a difference between fathering and being a father. You know, father, a lot of guys can father kids. Easy, right? It's all biologic. But, and we're grateful for those guys who've donated sperm to bring children into the world. But it's the guys who stay around after they father the kids who impact the lives of their children, who affect society and what goes on in our lives. And I believe when you look at dads, all of you are so important in the lives of our children. I see it in my adult executives about their lives, how little things that mattered with their fathers impacted the people they have become and the things they've achieved in this world. And I think a lot of the men, especially the ones in studio today will agree that of all their jobs they've done, the toughest job of all is being dad. So for today's show, I have in studio some very special dads who are actually men who are very special in my life. And to me, they represent what makes a good dad. Now, I know it's going to be a tough show because, you know, women are very eager to share. We did that on our last show in May with mothers. We were effusive with talking and sharing and feelings. And, and guys are like, yup, you know, that very taciturn, don't want to share. So the premise that I gave the men was, I need your professional advice. Okay, I need your advice. You don't have to share feelings, emotions, but l l let's talk about advice. So when I thought about good dads, the one I first thought of among my contemporaries is someone I've known for over 30 years, a fellow physician I met during my internship in Naval Hospital San Diego, is a physician who not only is an outstanding doctor, a naval officer, but most important, a great family man and a wonderful, superb dad. And that person in studio today is Dr. Frank, or as we know him, Mac McGuire. But before he speaks, you know, I think of Dr. McGuire, we have such a long history together. I'm going to give you his brief bio, then I'll give you the, the dirt on him. Um, Dr. Frank Mac McGuire completed his medical degree at the University of Illinois. He's board certified internal medicine, pulmonary medicine, and critical care. So that's triple boards. So he's got huge brains. Uh, he trained at Naval Hospital San Diego, where I was there with him. He's a fellow of the American College of Physicians and American College of Chess physicians. For the past 15 years, he serves as the chief medical officer and senior vice president for provider and health services at TriWest Healthcare Alliance based in Phoenix, and they take care of our vets, veterans, so they're an amazing group. In May of 2018 this year, he transitioned from chief medical officer to senior clinical advisor to the president and CEO, and he focuses on provider communications and contracts, contract modifications, telemedicine op applications, and process improvement related to external audits. He is a Navy veteran, as I mentioned. He served 26 years active duty and retired as a Navy captain. Uh, I want people to know that when I was promoted to Admiral, I had Dr. McGuire, who's a junior officer to me, um, uh, do the oath of office uh, in the state dining room of the White House in the presence of the President First Lady because among all the naval officers I've had the honor to know, he was one of the ones that I truly admire and respect. So, But I will say that Dr. McGuire, knowing him well, his greatest achievements are this. 
He's been married to his wonderful wife, Judy McGuire, for 40 years, which is a huge achievement. We should have you two back when we talk about our shows about what makes a great marriage. They are the proud parents of four children, Brian, Megan, Colleen, and Bridget, who they better be listening to this show, right? And they are the proud, he is the proud grandfather to four grandchildren, Kyle, Connor, Quinn, and Aiden. And so to me, Dr. McGuire, as we think of Father's Day, he does represent that traditional dad, you know, like we see in, when we were growing up. This is dad with the wisdom. To a large family, you were born in the 50s. You, you had one mom, one dad. You had incredible parents. You had the station wagon. How many, how many siblings, Mac, did you? We had six. Okay, just six kids. So we'll start off with you, Dr. McGuire. Dr. Mac, can you tell us, without scripted, <laughs> about your journey in fatherhood, about being a young father, a working father, Navy dad, then the father later in life, grandfather. Can you share with us that story? Thank you, Connie. Um, yes, I'm very much happy to share that story, and it's been a wonderful journey. I did come from a large family, had six siblings. Uh, I was the third oldest of the six, of the seven kids. And um, one of the things that struck me very early on was how different each and every one of us was, but how much we enjoyed spending time together. Um, it was that experience growing up that made me really look forward to being a father myself. Um, I thought if I could have a similar experience um, with my own children as I had with uh, my parents, I thought, boy, life would be wonderful. Uh, we were very blessed to have our first child, Brian, as you mentioned, uh, while we were together in San Diego doing our internship. Um, Brian, um, not many of our peers were having kids when we were in our internship, and uh, my wife likes to remind me uh, that um, it was uh, cruel and unnecessary punishment to that poor child to take him to the beach when he was about a week old, um, but it was something, I was so proud of him. I wanted all my mm -hmm. uh, colleagues that we'd spent that tough year during our internship, I wanted them all to get a chance to meet Brian. So yes, he started very early going to the beach and that worked out okay. Um, fortunately, about six months after he was born, it was time for me to go on a deployment overseas with the Marines. And um, I have a very distinct memory of uh, Judy and I lying on the floor um, with Brian as we were trying to get him to crawl. And uh, you can just imagine the two of us there trying to move his arms and legs and everything else. And the only thing we were successful in doing during that process was to get him to cry. <laughs> and uh, to, to, to make uh, a point, that's the hardest part about being in the military and being a dad with deployments and stuff is you miss so many very exciting milestones. Um, Judy was wonderful about trying to keep me up to date with pictures and videotapes and stuff. And just to kind of spite us, and I'll, I'll remind him of this repeatedly, it was the day after I deployed and went overseas to Okinawa that he started crawling. Uh -huh. So <laughs> we got him close, yeah. but not close <laughs> enough. And then Judy was wonderful because she also sent me subsequently the tapes when he was taking his first steps and all that sort of stuff. So that, um, that was really, really important to me was seeing those things happen because they are just such special events, being there for your child's birth, yeah. seeing them do their first crawling, seeing them stand, seeing them walk. Um, I do also remember how wonderful it was coming home. I mean, when you come home and you've got your family waiting for you, um, a lot of us, I think that's one of the things I enjoy wa watching on the news more than anything are those surprise visits when a dad comes into a gym or something and surprises the family by coming home early. 
and it's just uh, it just means so much for those people who have sacrificed so much serving our country, going overseas, putting themselves in harm's way, and then they come back and seeing those welcomes is just incredible. Um, our family fortunately continued to grow in San Diego, and then we had two wonderful daughters, uh, Megan and Colleen. Um, despite the long hours that we all worked and the many on-call nights, I think the thing I really tried to do as much as possible is maximize our time with the family. Um, I do remember us spending time playing board games, um, taking bike rides, and we were very involved in trying to get to every one of the kids' sporting events and being part of that. So. All that was really an important part of that journey as a father. Um, fortunately, shortly after we left San Diego, we thought our family was complete, but we were very pleasantly blessed to have another daughter named Bridget. And uh, the beautiful thing about having Bridget is she was seven years younger than her sister Colleen, so that gave us the great gift of having a daughter at home for another seven years than we would have had otherwise. So uh, we, Judy and I are both very blessed. It's been a wonderful fatherhood journey for us. So what prepared you for this journey, Mac? Well, I think what probably helped me the most uh, was I had an incredible father. His name was also Frank. I'm a Frank Jr. And he was an incredible role model for me. What I remember distinctly about my dad is that um, he worked extremely hard to take care of his large family, um, but that his love and caring was really unconditional. He didn't play any favorites. Everyone felt in their own way that they were special. Um, I think also I remember very clearly he expected us to treat our mother with great respect and to be kind to each other. I think the only time I've ever saw my dad really get mad is if you made the mistake of talking back to our mother and then we would all scurry because no one would want to see the outcome of what would happen after that. So uh, he taught us really to respect our wives, and I think uh, that's been, a, again, a great gift, not only to be a good father, but how to be a good husband. Um, I think one of the goals after seeing, knowing how I feel about my father, one of my goals in life as a father was to come through this journey with my kids feeling the same way about me that I felt about my dad. Well, those are amazing words of wisdom. We're going to pause briefly for a break. We'll come back and have a few more questions before we continue on our show. So stand by, our dear listeners, to this great show. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Who's your doctor? When I was looking for a doctor, I thought, which person gets the best care of all and whose doctor's credentials are the most carefully reviewed? Well, the answer was obvious. Who looks after the president of the United States? My doctor is the doctor who is taking care of three presidents and their families, Dr. Connie Mariano. I've heard about her. She's board certified in internal medicine and has been practicing medicine for over 30 years. She was at the White House for over nine years and traveled everywhere with the president. Dr. Connie is available to me 24 hours a day, seven days a week by email, cell phone, or Skype. And when I see her in her private office in Scottsdale, she and her staff always treat me like I'm the president. I 
I'm going to call her office now and join her practice. Dr. Connie Mariano. This is the doctor American presidents and their families have trusted with their lives, and I trust you with mine. For information about Dr. Connie Mariano's private practice, you need to visit drcmariano.com. Are you ready to live younger, longer? Andrew and Aaron Stevens with Apply Everyday Health are partnered with a 100-year-old company to help you build health through natural approaches. Our scientists believe that the key to a healthy lifestyle lies within nature. By using ingredients proven to be safe and effective, our products provide nutrition guaranteed to change your life in a positive way. To find out how you can get the same top-of-the-line vitamins taken daily by Olympic athletes, astronauts, and the White House doctor herself, visit applyeveryday.com. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. tuned in to House Calls with former White House physician, Dr. Connie Mariano. If you have a question or comment for our show today, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to drconnieradio at gmail.com. That's drconnieradio at gmail.com. Now, back to House Calls with Dr. Connie. Welcome back to Dr. Connie's House Calls, where for the month of June, we honor fathers having celebrated Father's Day. I'm in studio today with three wonderful dads who are sharing their story of fatherhood. I like to sort of call it the brotherhood of fatherhood, if we can do that. And my first interview this morning has been with Dr. Frank McGuire, who I've known for 37 years. And a little story about Dr. McGuire. When I retired from the White House 17 years ago, Uh, at my retirement ceremony in the White House Auditorium, I had various friends from different parts of my career get up and speak. And I, I, of course, not not that I'm a control freak, uh, prepared a script for every one of them, including Dr. McGuire. And he gets up there and he tears up his script and he just goes, you know, open mic. So, uh, and of course, that was in front of the president, first lady, first family, and, you know, a hundred some people. But that's Dr. McGuire. You can never hold him to a script. But his script today is quite well written. He's written it himself. I've been asking him about his journey in fatherhood as a young father over close to 36 years ago, father of four, grandfather of four. And he was just sharing us the lessons he learned from his amazing father, who is a great role model for him. I want to ask Dr. McGuire about, as you look back on your life as being a dad and all the challenges of being a father deployed, missing milestones as your kids are growing, so your wife Judy really raised them in a lot of ways, would you have done anything differently looking back? I don't know that I would have done anything differently because it wasn't necessarily possible, but I can tell you that um, the one thing I did realize is just that the children grow up so fast that you can miss so much in the blink of an eye. Um, you really work hard to try and give them um, positive role models and the tools to make good decisions themselves. Um, then what happens is they leave your home. And when they leave your home, you really hope and pray that uh, they use what they've learned and that they make good life choices. You want them to find a loving life partner and then hopefully with the support of that partner have a wonderful experience as parents themselves. Um, I just uh, feel like that's really the best part about being a dad. 
Wow, it's great advice as your kids launch and your youngest just graduated from college is starting her own, so you totally have launched all four of them. When, when Brian and, and Nancy were having their first child, was there any advice you, you gave him or advice you give him now that he's a father of four kids? No, I'd like to think that um, as my dad was a great role model for me, maybe I was a good role model for him because I haven't had to tell him anything. I can just see he is a great dad. And uh, he, again, part of what I said was finding a great life partner, and his wife Nancy is an incredible woman, and between the two of them, they got four incredible kids that are all thriving and doing extremely well, and someday uh, you can interview Brian or maybe one of, his, one of his kids about being a father, and hopefully you hear the same things. That's amazing. You've been a great dad. Thanks for, for sharing your story of being a, a father and, and just the things. I really think people need to hear that. We need to hear more about great role models for fathers. There's so much in the media and TV about negative things about dads, and it's about time we heard about dads who did it right, who have it right, who are focused on raising good people. So thanks, thanks, Mac, for your input. Uh, I think of of you growing up and you know from a child of the 50s and your experience and you know and then to me in a lot of ways that's the ideal that's the ideal family where mom and dad kids you know growing up one mom one dad but sadly in america now you know when over half the marriages end in divorce you know we're seeing a different picture out there a different landscape and i'm aware of that knowing that personally that uh we have those who divorce, 75% of us remarry, and from them uh, we have over 1,300 new stepfamilies forming every day. So when you look at uh, our, our statistics, 50% of the 60 million children on the age of 13 are currently living with one biologic parent and that parent's current partner. And so I think for a lot of our listeners out there who aren't as blessed as having one mom, one dad, but really stepfamilies, I think what really helps I, in studio, I, I wanted somebody I know, someone I respect, admired, and love very deeply to share his, his adventures in fatherhood and stepfatherhood because I think there are a lot of stepparents out there, stepdads who can gain some help from, from his wisdom. Now, let me see. Did I have to look up my husband's C, C, uh, CV and resume? I mean, this is a thumbnail sketch. My husband, John Weaver, is a very accomplished man. In a, uh, he is a retired CEO of Remy International. Uh, his training is in mechanical engineering from University of Toronto, where he graduated fr with honors and returned later to serve on their engineering board. He recently had a design lab named in his honor at the University of Toronto. So hopefully a lot of great things will come from that lab of which he's dedicated. He served over 30 years in industry, working for various companies like McKinsey, General Electric, Baxter, and finally Remy International. He's a proud graduate of Harvard Business School, Harvard MBA, of which he's going back to the reunion next year. In his retirement, he has not been idle. He serves on several boards where people love his his unbridled honesty. I think your middle name should be Frank because he's known for somebody who just says it and doesn't cover up. You're not a good politician for that. Uh, he competes in national glider competitions, uh, which uh, he's involved and very passionate about flying. But I think, as John will reflect, that of all his achievements, he'll probably agree that the toughest job is really being dad uh, to his 32-year-old twins and to his 31 and 29 year old stepsons for the past eight years. His job is grandpa 
really for to his stepkids uh, children is, is an easy one because they're they're still too young to talk back he does show them how to pull the finger uh, with them that Addison's rejoiced in and makes her happy when she does that we don't know where they learn those negative habits from Papa John but thank you sweetheart for being in studio today would would you like to take the microphone and share us about your journey not really, but I will. <laughs> <laughs> Only if it's professional advice, not sharing. Yes, advice. Um, so my, my journey is uh, a little bit different than Max uh, in some ways. In some ways, there's common threats. Uh, I went from, uh, uh, I'm a smaller family, grew up in Canada. Um, uh, my father taught me some really, really wonderful things, as your father did. Hard work, loyalty, honesty really valuable lessons that I think that uh, I like to think that I both uh, have uh, learned and have transmitted uh, to my children. Um, and it, uh, it's, uh, there's other things that I think uh, that as we as sons evolve into fathers, part of our journey, in fact, is to understand our fathers because they were not unidimensional individuals and I think our kids uh, the kids of us and uh, our children are, are um, and their children are far more sophisticated in the understanding uh, the role models aren't as well defined um, the complexity uh, uh, not just in families but of our society has really changed some of those perspectives so uh, my own journey in fatherhood started with a bang, having going from no children to twins, and uh, that's that's quite a shock for someone uh, who had no younger uh, brothers and sisters, and in fact, whose two older sisters were significantly older than I was. So I wasn't used to being around young children, and suddenly I have a, uh, uh, a son and a daughter, uh, boom, just like that, uh, and uh, they've grown into wonderful young adults. Uh, I was blessed when I married Connie uh, to have uh, uh, the joy of two stepsons, and they are terrific young men as well. And uh, I, I've, I've often said uh, that the difference between dad and stepdad is really interesting, and I, I use an analogy to my professional life. Um, sometimes, uh, and in fact, uh, not always wisely, as Connie said, I'm known for my frankness and bluntness. Um, and that's much easier with your own children. Uh, we can tend to be rather straightforward with our own kids. Probably too straightforward sometimes. With stepsons, uh, I think it's important, or stepchildren, I should probably say, uh, you need to earn that respect and that role and that right to be that candid. Uh, so the analogy I use, um, the, as I speak to other men I know who go through this transition, uh, is it's a little bit like being the CEO of a company where you can say to someone, you're going to go do that. And we shouldn't do that with our children, we should suggest. But I think all of us tend to do that. Uh, go do this, go do that. That's a really dumb idea. When you're dealing with your stepchildren, you have to be more like a board member. And that's where you advise or you observe and you say, have you thought about the problem this way? <laughs> when what you really want to say is, that's a really dumb idea. <laughs> so there's a real evolution and a real change and a real difference. And it's, and it's different because I was, uh, I was blessed that uh, um, 
my stepsons were really adults with wonderful values, uh, and I wasn't responsible for trying to, to shape the, the values or the, or the norms or the behaviors. Uh, it's a challenge as, as a, in a role as father, and, and what does that role mean to me? It's really, and uh, it's really something, it's something that Connie said uh, many years ago, uh, was part of her philosophy, and I translated a little bit. She said, you gotta give them roots and you gotta give them wings. And um, I think it's very important, particularly in the father role, you've got to be the rock and stable and always there, always the touch point. And at the same time, teach them to fly. So when you've done all that, which is probably the hardest job of all, and to keep it constant, because you're dad for life, and it's, you know, one of the things we talk about when you remarry and you marry, you marry a person, you marry their family so it, they become the kids, your kids. But when you look back at your children, your stepchildren, how do you know if you've done a good job? They're not in jail. <laughs> uh, <laughs> let's start with the most basic. Uh, I think uh, that's only half a joke. Uh, and I say that because I, I do have friends, close friends. Uh, who have suffered from children really um, being the victims of, of addiction, uh, serious drug problems, uh, getting in trouble with the law. And it's such a blessing that despite all of the temptations, despite all the pressures, despite all the anxieties of, of children of this, uh, of my children's generation, never had to deal with any of those issues in any, in any real way. Um, you also, I think, uh, when you see your children facing a situation and coming back and saying, Dad, you always told us we should do this. And they do it, even though it's tough. And it's really easy to make quote unquote good decisions in easy situations. The test of character comes when you see your children make hard decisions in hard situations. And that's when you can really feel um, very proud and good about what you've accomplished and what you've transmitted. Now, you shared what you learned from your dad. And it's, you know, a whole different generation. I think of my dad, who never said to me, I love you, until maybe in his late 60s, because it was more American way to do that. And you know, his proof that he loved us, well, I'm here, I'm working, I'm bringing food home, you're not starving and we're not beating you. But that's a whole different show. But going back to what you remember from your dad and what you said about him now that he's passed, what would you like to hear from your kids about you at the end of your life? Um, I, I, uh, I don't remember you giving me that as a front yeah, it's question. Right here. <laughs> <laughs> I obviously didn't do my homework. I, I think it would really be um, what I would, you know, I, the question is what would you like on your tombstone and echoed from your kids. Yeah. Um, I think for my kids that I was there for them uh, and that I was fundamentally a good man. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really the judgment we face. So when you look at your children and your son, when, when one day he becomes a father, or to your, your stepsons as their one's a father and the other one one day will be as well, what advice would you give to young fathers nowadays? Um, I think it's really um, all, of, all of the values that you want your kids to have, most important is by example. And it's by, um, if you're in a store and somebody gives you the wrong change, handing it back the right change. It's amazing to me, as I have become older, 
and listen to stories uh, of children, both mine and others, the little things that your kids watched you do that you had no idea that they were watching. And that's truly, it's how you live, it's by example, it's not by word. The words are important, the example is very important. Amen to that. Great advice. Thank you so much for, for your role model lessons. And I think a lot of stepdads can learn. I think children, we learn by example. You observe, you learn, you emulate, you do those things, and you're there for them. So, well, thank you for sharing that. I know you don't like to share. Thank you for your professional <laughs> advice. So we're going to go to a little break, and we'll be back on Dr. Connie's House Calls. And our final guest in studio is somebody who's very familiar with our show, is Andrew Stevens, who is the co-producer of this show and our marketing director, and who is my oldest son and a father. So stay tuned for more on House Calls. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Who's your doctor? When I was looking for a doctor, I thought, which person gets the best care of all and whose doctor's credentials are the most carefully reviewed? Well, the answer was obvious. Who looks after the President of the United States? My doctor is the doctor who is taking care of three presidents and their families. Dr. Connie Mariano. I've heard about her. She's board certified in internal medicine and has been practicing medicine for over 30 years. She was at the White House for over nine years and traveled everywhere with the president. Dr. Connie is available to me 24 hours a day, seven days a week by email, cell phone, or Skype. And when I see her in her private office in Scottsdale, she and her staff always treat me like I'm the president. I'm I'm going to call her office now and join her practice. Dr. Connie Mariano. This is the doctor American presidents and their families have trusted with their lives, and I trust you with mine. For information about Dr. Connie Mariano's private practice, you need to visit drcmariano.com. Are you ready to live younger, longer? Andrew and Aaron Stevens with Apply Everyday Health are partnered with a 100-year-old company to help you build health through natural approaches. Our scientists believe that the key to a healthy lifestyle lies within nature. By using ingredients proven to be safe and effective, our products provide nutrition guaranteed to change your life in a positive way. To find out how you can get the same top-of-the-line vitamins taken daily by Olympic athletes, astronauts, and the White House doctor herself, visit applyeveryday.com. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. tuned in to House Calls with former White House physician, Dr. Connie Mariano. If you have a question or comment for our show today, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to drconnieradio at gmail.com. That's drconnieradio at gmail.com. Now, back to House Calls with Dr. Connie. Welcome to our show on fatherhood. I've had the honor of interviewing in studio today a traditional dad, Dr. Mac McGuire, and then more to the typical father and stepfather, John Weber. And so in this final segment, 
as we interview the newest member in the Brotherhood of Fatherhood, a young father, a frequent co-host on our show, and our co-marketing director is Andrew Stevens. Now, I better, I better know his history. I, as he told me, Mom, you made up part of this history. He is the oldest of my two sons. He was born into a military family in California when I was stationed at Port Wyneme. He moved to Washington, D.C. at the tender age of five, while well, I ran around the world with three American presidents for nine years. Then uh, we moved to Arizona 17 years ago. He graduated from Scottsdale Christian Academy, attended ASU, majored in business and communications, afterwards worked for a series of different companies, including my private practice, where he learned about the joys of health care and went on to get an MBA from ASU, graduated magna cum laude, while at the same time, working full-time in a medical practice, multi-surgical specialty group, and getting married and having his first child. So that's amazing. That was a great year for you, Andrew. He is a customer manager at McKesson Specialty Health in Scottsdale. He married his wife, Erin, in 2014, and their family history begins with the birth of their daughter, Addie. Yay! (laughs) Hi, Addison, in 2015. So thanks for being in studio, Andrew. And would you like to share your father's story? Yeah, thanks. Thanks, Mom. Thanks, Dr. Connie. Uh, yeah, no, you, you painted it pretty well there, I think. And my journey into fatherhood, really, compared to these these gentlemen, fathers in the room with me here, is uh, is just beginning. Um, as you mentioned, you know, had Addison uh, just a couple years ago. She's turning three next month in July. And Alex, our second, it just turned one back in April. So... Yeah, just getting into the toddler years right now and and learning what that's about. Uh, We've got a great community of friends um, with our church and people that we know from just around the valley here that we're we're close with that have kids are that are the age of our kids and which is nice because we have people we can relate to commiserate to and learn some tips from as well in all this so it's uh it's already been off to a fun uh, journey and I think I'll go ahead and, and break the uh, the silence right now we are expecting our third baby in December of this year yeah so, you heard uh, it first on right. house calls with Dr. Connie this is great news <laughs> yes <laughs> congratulations. Definitely. Bring those, keep bringing those babies in. You know, we, it's a grandmother's dream. Every grandparent wants more grandkids. You know, you, as you launch this journey and you look back, you've actually been a son longer than a father. Can you, were the things that you learned from your dad and your, and your grandfathers growing up that may have influenced some of the things you, you do as a dad now? Yeah, I was thinking about that. I I think one of the biggest ones was truthfully being being raised in the church. Actually, having having dads that you know were spiritual, uh, you know, close to God in that way. And I think that definitely helps with your your values from a very young age. And so that's important to me and my family. But then also from that, I think just the kindness, um, you know, the, the devotion to family, um, as well as just self improvement. You know, I think academics has always been something very important in my family from all around and pushing for excellence in that way. And I think that's something that I've taken to heart, tried to emulate for myself and those around me. And especially already, we're, we're talking about that with our kids. We're going to put, you know, Addison into pre, pre, uh, pre-K coming up pretty soon. And we're already t- trying to take a look at the different, you know, kindergarten schools around. What's the best one? What's the one that's going to give her that leg up, you know? And so already we're just looking at that kind of thing, how to give her the best opportunities. Now, uh, this is a John Weber question. So what surprised you the most about becoming a father? 
Oh man, the amount of diapers, I guess. <laughs> I, they, you know, they always do say that, but it, it's just like, yeah, there's a lot, a, of, a lot of upkeep. <laughs> but <laughs> you I, guys I, use cloth diapers. You don't well, use disposable. That's either. right. It's so pretty I'm very, hardcore. very familiar with how wow. many there are. Yeah, so we do, we do. So that you're as familiar well. with baby poop and all that whole stuff. That's <laughs> too really good. Yeah. So. Did anything prepare you? Because you you were growing up, you weren't babysitting. You have one younger brother, Jason, who's two years younger. So you really didn't, you know, other than be his buddy, you didn't take care of him. But anything prepare you for babyhood? Not really. And I think that might be one of the things where when we were, you know, pregnant with our first, just going into it, I just took it as, well, let's let's just do this. You know, let's let's just see what happens and take advice from our family and and uh, and see what happens. But I, I think the I guess the nice thing about it is that you know with babies it does start off kind of slowly, right? You you get practice with changing the diapers and and you know the nice thing about where we're at we're surrounded by family and again friends and so you get a lot of support with that as well. And I think just um, you know, preparation wise, you know, there's a lot online and some of it you can take seriously and some of it you shouldn't. Um, and so I think that's one of the toughest things now is trying to figure out what's what's right and so I think going to your parents to ask them is, is always helpful and uh, and I think aside from that though one of the things as even just listening to some of these other gentlemen here talking about th- themselves is one of the things I think that helps prepare you for fatherhood going forward is just continuing to develop yourself you know and kind of w- what John mentioned just that you know your kids are watching what you do so I think to, to not ever stop improving what you're doing and focusing on on those things and, and yes obviously take special attention to what your kids are doing and what what their interests are and supporting that and pushing them and telling them what's right from wrong but I think also to the point is not ever neglecting yourself your spouse you know I think having a strong marriage is very important so they can see that those are things you can't really teach you know there's things that they're going to see and see the fruits of over time and so that's one of the things that in our family we just we want to just really drive home is that we're we're about developing ourselves as a family Mm -hmm. um, and individually too so that we all can kind of build together one of the things i admire about you and aaron is that your decisions are made together it isn't dad's decision mom's it's together we're as a group so as you do this your busy lives you're working she's home full-time but she also has her own business how do you balance all this how do you make this all work for you guys oh wow i don't know how she does (laughs) Lots of coffee. I'm the one. Yeah, lots of coffee. Yeah, shout out to Starbucks and and and, but just I think um, for me sometimes I get I feel like it. I don't know. I wouldn't say it's the easier route, but I get to go to work every day and sort of kind of take a break of things. And sometimes I think back and knowing Aaron's at home with the kids, um, you know, sometimes I. I, I kind of wish I was doing that on tough days, but sometimes like, wow, that is really a really a tough job. I, I don't know how stay uh, how uh, single moms do it. You know, it's just it's such a hard job to do. Um, but I think the what we do to do this is number one, just having a, a, a great support system around us. Again, we're really lucky to be around family and friends who can help um, when times are in need and just give us support that way. But also staying organized. Uh, we have routines every day. We have things that, that we do to try to take care of ourselves. We, we meal plan, things like that, just to stay organized. And then I think lastly, just having some grace for yourself. You know, there are days where just your whole plan just got screwed. <laughs> like you <laughs> thought it was going to go yeah. this way and maybe you ended up in like the urgent care that yeah, night and everything you wanted to do is just it out the window. Right, exactly. And you just, well, wow, like it, it feel like you've thrown off your entire week or entire yeah. month maybe. But I think just allowing yourself to to get back on track with what those plans are and and reminding yourself that, you know, it, it's it's just really, it's that's a season in time. And I think one of the things that kind of I've been told that's kind of a crazy number is there's 936 weeks that you have from the day your baby's born to age 18. 
Wow. And every every single one of those weeks, it kind of goes by fast. I mean, you think how fast a week goes by and just ticking off. And so those are moments that you have to instill different uh, 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 different type, types of lessons and, and things with your kids and those are experiences that you can have that really are going by fast and, and these guys talked about it before too where it goes quickly and already I feel like again starting my journey with this but even with that I feel like already my eldest daughter's almost three and I feel like that's flown by and so I think just trying to really cherish each moment take the most of it and um, and especially on days where sometimes you, the thing you want to do is just put them in front of the TV and just step back and some days you have to do that but I remind myself you know what I may not get this time back I, w- I want to sit down and, and read with them or play with them or just laugh with them you know and I think that's a lot of fun because they're getting so old and my daughter can already you know she knows I think what I'm doing one of the sweetest things is a picture that Aaron posted on on Tiny Beans where she says it's her favorite view where you're sitting there every night and you're reading to her. Both mm-hmm. of you read to your children, which is wonderful. They sit on your lap, you read to them, you pray together. And those are things that are so important. That's your routine. They know that. You know, I think of the sphere of influence you have, and I really think your influence starts tapering at 16. And the reason I say 16, once a kid starts driving, you know, I remember having these intimate, close mom-son conversations when I'm driving you to soccer practice, and I'm, I'm driving, you're looking out the window, and we're talking, but, you know, we're not making eye contact, but at least we're in the same space. But once you start driving, you don't get that intimacy enough where in the closed space of a car where you're having those conversations. So I think it's important that you use up all those special moments to really impact them. Now, as you look back at, you know, a fatherhood, as, as you shared here through the generations, are there things that you've seen change? among fathers, from your own father? I mean, you spent nine years when I was at the White House, you're pretty much had you raised by your dad, you know, to his credit. You know, I was gone all the time. I was a missing in action parent. You were raised by dad, who was working part-time for a law firm and, and at home with you and Jason. Yeah, I, I think there has been. I mean, I think with the ways technology has changed, you know, culture has changed. There's definitely a lot of different ways that parenthood is looked at, for sure. Um, but I think from what I've seen, maybe to kind of like put a bow on it at the end is that good dads make a difference, just period, you know? And I think especially dads who, who work hard instill those values that, that they find are important, that really matters. And I think you see that when you see um, how kids turn out, you see a lot of statistics about kids dropping out of school, things like that when they don't have a father figure. Mm-hmm. So I just think again, you know, dads who, who are there for their kids in a meaningful way, whatever that looks like, but are, are purposeful about it are the ones that make a difference. So right now, when you look back at, at, at your young parenting years, would you do anything different? I mean, you, you have another chance with the next one coming in December and maybe others, but would you do, for this next baby, would you do anything different with this one? I mean, is it easier for you? I, I think a little bit of time will tell. I feel like we're, we learned a lot of things from each each baby so far, and so we've already learned things from Alex going into this next baby, some things we might tweak a little bit, but I think I don't have anything specific. It's just we're going to keep on learning from these kids and learning from the parents around us and just trying to do our best. You know, what? share one quick story about, I think you were coming home from a trip and you sneezed, that story? Oh, yeah. I think that's... Uh, yeah, so I was away for, for work for a couple days, and, you know, I got back really late, like around 1 o'clock in the morning kind of thing, and um, I got, got inside, I kind of crept upstairs, my kids were already asleep, I wasn't going to go wake them up, and I get to the top of the, you know, banister, the top of the stairs, and I closed up our baby gate, and I was trying to be so quiet. And of course, I sneeze right there, right next to my kid's bedroom. Mm -hmm. And I hear this little sweet voice of my daughter 
say, bless you, daddy. Inside <laughs> her room. And it just, you know, it just melts Aww. your heart. Just knowing that she knew it was my sneeze. <laughs> knew daddy was home. Um, and it just, it was really cool. Why aren't you asleep? Now go back <laughs> go to back sleep. Go back to bed. We'll go back to bed. <laughs> so, you know, one of the things I think that you have in your blessing is that you have a great support group through your church that I see pictures a lot. You get together with other parents. Mm-hmm. You, you all have little kids the same age. That's sort of your support group. And uh, what kind of things do the fathers struggle with? And that, that group, your contemporaries, what are things that are similar to what you're, you're experiencing as a dad? Yeah, I think, I think balancing your work, um, being there with your kids is always one that's, that's going to be there. Um, it's pretty timeless. Uh, also, too, I think there's a lot of comparison in this day and age with Facebook. You know, a lot of everyone's online and you're seeing what other parents are doing. And I, that wasn't something when, we were, when I was a kid even that you could do. You didn't know. When you went home from school, you really didn't know what other kids were doing. Now it can be broadcasted to everybody. And that's one of the things we talk about in our groups is like, what are these new challenges that we're going to face? You know, online bullying, things that we just really had no idea was before. Mm-hmm. But I think it's, it's really nice to have this group together um, that, that is able to talk about that now, share some of their stories, bring some of the wisdom from their parents into it, um, and just be together to just encourage each other in this time because it, it's really hard. And I think actually that's one of the biggest things about it is everybody comes together and shares the same kinds of stories, yeah. you know, yeah. and you don't feel like you're alone in it. And I, I know with my wife, Erin, one of the things that she really, you know, just uh, values a lot is, you know, a lot the moms from our church, for instance, have a text message group and they just throw out questions and things mm-hmm. and, hey, my, my kid's got a fever. What does that mean? Or, hey, they're doing this or that. And everyone can kind of share their thoughts about yeah. it and you feel connected to everybody. So that's definitely a positive side of the technology. And I think, again, for dads, it's just trying to keep up yeah. and, and just hard. do your best. Yeah. It's the hardest job you'll ever do. And it's you're never retired as, as they get older and older. Any last moment advice you'd give to somebody who's about to have a baby? Embark on this great career of fatherhood? I just enjoy it. Just enjoy every minute of it. I mean, already I'm feeling like, you know, my little girl's growing up. And so I think, you know, there's going to be some really tough days um, in all of it. But just try to remember that, you know, you have a limited amount of time when they're that age to really instill some some values and to enjoy that time. Um, But then also just remember to take care of yourself when you're doing it. All right. Well, thank you. We've been blessed to have a great show today. I want to wish everybody a belated Father's Day, and thanks to the dads out there, but especially the dads here in studio, Dr. McGuire, John Weber, Andrew Stevens, who've made it a great show for me. So thanks so much, and we look forward to talking with you next, next month on House Calls with Dr. Connie. Have a great month. Take care. Thank you again for joining us this week for House Calls with Dr. Connie Mariano. We'll be back next Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Have a terrific week.